Hey y'all, today I want to share a little more about my thoughts on how to change your niche or add a new niche. You're listening to Copy Chatter, the podcast where we talk about all things writing business. We're having a conversation here about freelance writing and freelance writers, and you are invited. Let's chat about business, marketing, dealing with clients, mindset issues, copy tips, and rolling with the changes. We'll also delve into what's going on with this particular writer as I grow and build my own business. Ready to talk shop? It's time for some copy chatter. Now, I want to preface this by saying two things. The first is that I have a blog post on my blog already about this topic. Um, And so if you have not seen that, I recommend you check it out. I will link it in the show notes. And then the other thing I would like to say is that I want to be really, really clear. And I've said this a bunch of times and I will say it a lot more times. (laughs) Is that when you choose a niche, it is not an always and forever permanent until you die thing. Okay, I say in my email course on niches, you are not marrying your niche, right? This is not a lifelong commitment that you're making. It is just the next logical step for you and your career at this exact point in time. Okay, it means you've got some direction about where you're going and who you want to serve and how you want to serve them. And that's all it is. And and just know that your niche will change over time. Almost 100% likely your niche is going to change over time. Okay, so how do you move into your first niche, add another niche, or completely just change niches? There are a few things I would like to share with you. Um, The main thing is that I recommend that you take anything and everything that comes your way until you're really clear on what you absolutely do want. Um, And maybe even more importantly, keep doing that, keep doing anything until you're really clear on what you just do not want to do anymore. I think there's a difference between knowing what you want, ideally, and also knowing what you just really don't want anymore. So when I might be changing niches, if I know that I really want to target a specific type of client, that's one thing. And those are the ones I'm going to go after. But if other stuff comes to me, I'll probably take it. However, if I know that I want to avoid a specific type of client or a specific assignment, that's very different. <laughs> That's different information. And so I'm if if I'm looking for work and this stuff that I really don't like comes up, I'm probably going to say no. I am just not available for that type of work anymore. Or if I really need it, I might take it, but um, I would really keep it limited and not let it be an ongoing thing and then work really, really hard to find other more enjoyable work that I don't hate to replace it. Okay, so I hope that I made the distinction between the two um, things really different. There's a difference between wanting more of one thing and wanting to avoid a different thing. So when you know what you want, that's when you go full bore and trying to find that. And you try the different marketing strategies that you can. You find different ways to connect with people who might be able to send you that work. You work on your pitching. You work on your samples and you you will, you know, I highly recommend that you practice, that you develop that craft. Um, You might um, ask your existing and previous clients if they have that type of work that they want to hire out so that you can take it. Um, They say it's easier to sell someone who's already paid you, right? It's easier to get them to buy more than it is to get them to buy the first thing. So that's one of the reasons I like to recommend going back to previous clients, because if they've already worked with you and they already like you, it's much easier 
to get them to hand over their writing work to you than it is to go and find somebody new, right? Okay, cool. Um, If you have questions about how to actually do the marketing stuff, I have a course for that. It's called Client Bound, and it's all about finding clients. It's how to make yourself client bound. (laughs) You are bound to find them if you do the stuff that I teach. Um, I will have more info on that um, at the end of the show, or you can go to ashleygainer.com slash clients if you know you want it right now and you want more info. Because this is this episode is not really going to talk about marketing tactics. Very few of my episodes actually talk about marketing tactics, more about marketing strategy. Because the tactics change, but the strategy mostly stays the same. Anyway, so if you if you are moving into a niche, set your sights on that niche, but I recommend that you take anything that comes your way until you're able to only accept the work in your niche. If you want to pick up a second niche, um, which is something that I've done a lot. I've kind of straddled niches a lot. So I I might say that I write about entrepreneurship and web design or career and um, entrepreneurship, which is like kind of two different things. And um, or at one point I was writing about wellness and also business, right? (laughs) Not super closely related. I mean, maybe in like a meta ethereal way related, but as far as niches go, not really super related. But what you can do when you want to move into a new niche is think about ways to, I call this the bridge, think about ways that you can bridge your current niche and the new one that you want to move into. You can also do this when you want to leave a niche behind. Um, You can use this bridge tactic, (laughs) technique, I have a tool for you, right? (laughs) I'm like a coach or something. Um. What you do is you think about the niche that you want to move into, and then you think about the one that you already have or the one that you know really well or whatever, and you find ways to connect them. So if I have like a really heavy sports background, this is an example I use a lot. If I have a really heavy sports background and I want to move into entrepreneurship, there's not really a direct connection. Now, if you know both subjects really well, um, you, you may be able to find some some pretty direct connections because a lot of like sports team owners are entrepreneurs and blah, blah, blah. However, generally speaking, if you're writing about the Phillies and the Red Sox and, um, you know, whoever, I don't even know, uh, you know, other sports team who do sports <laughs> and you want to start writing about things like digital marketing and building a team and stuff like that, look for the natural connections. So um, take a sports Maybe a sports figure. I always use the example of Dean Smith because he's my favorite. He's my sports hero. Um, So then you think, what can this old niche subject, you know, figurehead, teach us about new topic, right? So in this sports to entrepreneurship example, I might say, what can Dean Smith teach us, or because he's dead now, (laughs) Dean Smith's legacy, what could Dean Smith's coaching legacy teach us about entrepreneurship in the digital age, right? And I mean, I think about that, and I might think about, so Coach Smith, he was really interested, he was all about integrity, and he was all about deliberate practice. Um, He had a quote, he would say a lot, luck favors the prepared, and I think that's very true in entrepreneurship also. Um, 
So, so I might write a list post of maybe three or four things that Coach Smith can teach entrepreneurs, right? Digital entrepreneurs. So, you know, point number one might be always operate with integrity. Point number two might be um, uh, acknowledge the shoot, acknowledge the passer, right? So if you shoot the ball and you made a basket, you are not supposed to say, yay, I made a basket and praise yourself. You're supposed to point to the guy who threw it to you, right? Um, That was like a team rule. And it's something that Carolina still does today. You acknowledge the people who got you to the successful point that you are, right? So that might be bullet point number two. Bullet point number three might be something about um, he was he was a, a leader as far as like social justice, civil rights, equal opportunity type stuff. He he sort of um, took prominence in the '60s and the '70s when this was kind of a big deal when like Chapel Hill was still segregated and he was taking his black basketball players into the restaurant um, and was, you know, people were turning their nose up at him. And so, you know, he, he used his position of strength to take a stand for things that are important to him. So what can, what can this teach us about um, entrepreneurship? Um, So I might look for a connection between using your influence um, for good things, you know, to, to promote important things. And I might say, you know, like, it's not just about the money, it's about helping people, right? For Coach Smith, it wasn't just about being famous, it was how can he use being famous to bring greater equality, not only to his students, but to the community around him, right? He was a political activist, and some people really didn't like that about him. Um, and, but it was important to him. Anyway, so that's three points, and I might look for, you know, another point, um, maybe something about team building or leadership. He he really equipped the students to become leaders in their own right. It wasn't just, I'm the coach and you do what I say. It was like, well, what do y'all think we should do um, sometimes in the huddle, right? So he would equip the leaders. So when you are an entrepreneur, you want to, um, as you start building a team, I would probably talk about the importance of offloading decision-making, of equipping the people on your team to succeed in their own right and and giving them ownership, right, of their roles, because that's really important. If you can't let go of ownership of things that you are outsourcing, it's a sinking ship that you're on. (laughs) Okay, so that's four bullet points um, of what Dean Smith can teach entrepreneurs in the digital age, right? At the sur- you know, at first glance, on the surface, there might not be any connection between these two, um, but I just found four really interesting connections that were, you know, they need to be refined, but as I'm drafting this, I can refine them. I can get at least probably 1,500 words from that, right? Throw in some clips on YouTube and some interesting pictures, and um, I can really paint myself as an expert in this entrepreneurship niche. Um, And that is what you're trying to do. So now you have this clip in your portfolio and either you can start shopping it around um, and and pitch it to publications who might be interested, or you can just publish it yourself. And now you have a relevant sample that you can send to people in this entrepreneurship niche. Now you have a stronger portfolio. It's a really interesting kind of crossover thing. It shows your ability to think um, from new angles about topics that are getting a lot of, you know, there's a lot of content about entrepreneurship right now. There's a ton of content about sports right now, you know. So what this does is demonstrate your ability to write something that's interesting and engaging and thought-provoking and completely original um, 
And that's a good thing, right? Good for business. So come up with a few more ideas. And again, you can start pitching these ideas. I would try to come up with 10. So take some time, take maybe half an hour, go through the headline hacks from John Morrow if you don't have it. Look at headline templates, any kind of headline templates you can find. Or just um, brainstorm. Think about things that you already know or things that are in your niche and how can you connect them to something in this new niche. Come up with maybe 10 solid ideas and use these 10 ideas to go out um, and rotate them in your pitches as you're pitching to these new sites. Okay, maybe keep a couple of them to add to your portfolio. You know, just write one of them tonight. Um, Maybe write two of them this weekend. Um, And then you've got portfolio clips Um, oh, the other thing you can do is you can pitch these to your existing clients. So if I have, um, I don't know that this Dean Smith example would really be of interest, but, um, you may find that you can use these kind of bridge posts. You can pitch them to the new niche. You can also maybe pitch them to the old niche. So if you want to pitch them to the old niche, maybe you might look at like a current event type thing or, um, anyway, look at things that, um, you can pull from pop culture that are relevant to the new niche that you can then connect to your existing one. So um, that probably sounds confusing. Let me give you a for instance, and I got to make this up off the top of my head. So if I'm trying to move, if I'm currently writing about pets and I want to move into entrepreneurship. So like I write for like a pet food company and um, a couple of e-com pet shops and um, a dog behavior specialist, right? So this is my niche. Um, Maybe for the pet food company, I might go to them and um, if I want to, oh shoot, I can't remember what I said I was going to move into. If I want to move into, I think I said entrepreneurship um, and I'm working for pet food, I might pitch an article idea about um, something about taking your dog to work or, or why dogs make a great office companion, a great workspace companion, right? So I might, um, I might pitch that idea. I might pitch the benefits of having a pet when you work from home, right? Because that's, that's a big entrepreneurship topic, this whole work from home thing. But it's also the benefits of pets, which is what the dog food people want. Um, and there might be like a misconception that having pets at home is going to distract you from your work. So you talk about the benefits, right? So that's a win-win for both niches. Um, another idea that I might pitch is um, XYZ high-stress jobs um, that might that would benefit from a cat, you know, or something like that. Um, or the perks of having a songbird in your environment, right? And so I can easily tie this or like in your workspace. So this idea of workspace environment is important for entrepreneurs, but having a songbird in it makes it relevant for the pit for the pet niche. So that's a good um, it's a good uh, pitch that you can make to your existing niche to help you bridge into the new one. I hope that that was clear. I know that. Um, this can get confusing. This, I should have warned you, this is a good episode to take notes on. (laughs) Um, So you can do that when you want to move into a new niche or when you want to just add another niche. This kind of crossover bridge idea is something that um, can offer you tremendous flexibility. And it's also a great idea generation tool because you can take something, maybe a hobby that's interesting to you and find ways to bring this thing to your work, you can start pitching ideas that are relevant 
um, that involve this hobby of yours or this special interest of yours, right? So it's football season right now. So if you're really super into football, find ways to write about football in your existing niche if you want to. So that is, those are my recommendations for moving into a new niche or um, leaving your old niche and how to uh, bridge the two, as I call it. If you have any questions, the best way to find me right now is on Facebook. I would recommend that you join my free Facebook group. We are called the Inkwell Guild. You can find us at ashleygainer.com slash Facebook, or you can search Facebook yourself on the platform. All right, I will see you all next week. Hey, did that sound good to you? If you want to learn more about finding freelance writing clients who are going to pay you well, pay you on time, give you recurring work, and make you really, really happy (laughs) to be a freelance writer, then I have something for you. It is called Client Bound. It is my new course on how to find freelance writing clients. If that sounds good to you, then I recommend that you go to copychatter.com slash clients and check it out. And hey, there's one more thing. If you like Copy Chatter, if you listen to this podcast every week, and if you feel like it has helped you, would you mind leaving me a review um, on iTunes or wherever you're listening? That would be really helpful for me, and I'd really appreciate it. So thank you so much, and I will see you all next week.